Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show tonight, our Thursday night Survivor show. If you guys have a question on Survivor, you guys can call in um, 347-237-5506. Let's, let's have a great show, guys. Welcome, Survivor fans. This is the Rad Reality Show Network. Tonight is October 15, 2015, and we're about to start the Mike and the Mike show with Big Mike Albright, the biggest and most loved Survivor fan of all time. He's currently met 428 Survivor alumni, and that's not counting Jeff Prokes, Mark Burnett, Lynn Spillman, and all the other behind-the-scenes people at Survivor he's met. And they all love and adore Big Mike Albright. Uh, Mike has a wonderful guest joining him tonight. He's got um, Tyler... Fredrickson from Survivor Worlds Apart coming on the show. So we're going to have a great show tonight. I want to remind everyone that you're invited to call in and talk to Big Mike and Tyler by dialing one three four seven two three seven five five zero six, And please press the number one key when you're ready to join us on air. Otherwise, we think you're just listening to the show. By the way, I'm Cherry Garcia. Myself and Paul from Minnesota will be your co-host tonight. Sometimes we get kind of busy behind the scenes, so we always say a quick hi to Paul up in Minnesota before we start the show. So let's say hi to him, and then we'll bring up our host and get this party started. Paul, how are you doing up there in Minnesota? Hi, Cherry. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm doing well. I've got a question for you. What uh, do these years have in common? 2011... 2013 and 2015. <laughs> Those are the years that the WNBA's Minnesota Lynx have won the championship of the league three out of the last five years. And last night uh, in game five, and they only play five games maximum, they uh, brought it home, and uh, it was uh, Pretty special. 
Now you knew that I wasn't going to know that. I haven't watched a basketball game. I know. I don't know why. You really were, were thinking about it, and I thought <laughs> I'm going to have to step in and say you have no idea. So I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't let me think too long on that. Well, congratulations. I'm I'm happy for you. Thank you. Let's uh, let's move out of sports and and. Go ahead and play Big Mike's intro and get him up here with us. Here we go, folks. They have volunteered to be marooned for 39 days. This is their story. This is Survivor. Super fan, Big Mike. Big Mike, hey, you're up. Mike. Good evening, everyone. It's uh, great to talk about episode four. Uh, another exciting episode, but definitely the first casualty of the game that I was really pulling for, and one of my favorites. So I was, I was excited that we had another fun, exciting episode with great dialogue, great scenes, great challenges, great everything except. Who went home? And that was, uh, I know that really upset me. It, it appeared pretty much that it was definitely a possibility uh, that he was becoming a liability physically and people really weren't trusting him, but I was just pretty devastated to lose who I think was pretty much the star of the first three episodes and a little bit in episode four, but not as much, Jeff Varner. Uh, I would assume you shared my feelings. Sharon, I don't know how you feel, Paul, but... I hated to see him go. I just, it, yeah. I wanted to cry. I, mm-hmm. I, I literally, it broke my heart. I was like yelling, no, at the TV. I was so upset. I mean, I absolutely adore Abby, but mm-hmm. I just didn't want to see her vote Jeff Bonner out. I just adore him. And it broke my heart to see him yeah, leave. I, oh my I, God, I hated it. I I felt the same, and I'm kind of feeling like there's going to be a lot of these feelings throughout the season because there's mm-hmm. a lot of these uh, returnees that uh, I really like. I mean, it seemed like the right thing to do. It was so unfortunate. I thought when they got the uh, reward challenge, and they were, you know their bellies were full, that they would uh, mm-hmm. do a better job uh, and not have to go to tribal. But it uh, it was tough, but I, I'm afraid we're going to see a lot of tough moments uh, as the season goes on. Oh, for sure. And it was weird. It was I don't know if it was just like I wasn't really expecting Jeff in the, to be in the running and then to do so well, and I was worried he wouldn't make it, then he made it. Because the other, the other first three boots, you know, Vetus, I never liked. I mean, I, did, uh, I never was a huge fan of him on the show. I didn't campaign. I didn't vote for him. 
And then Shireen, I liked on the show. She was really rude in person. And then PG, I was glad she made it, but I wasn't, like, extremely upset when she went because I liked Abby more. But this vote was just a whole other whole other thing. Because <laughs> I think we're losing such a great narrator, such a good humorist, a strategist, and somebody that's so frank with talking about the, the game they were playing that it was I, – I think it's going to be a big void to fill because when you look at the other older guys, they're dynamic, but – you know, Terry doesn't really give you a good sound bite. Savage can. Uh, Keith is too busy spitting to give you a sound bite. So, it's just, it's going to be a void to fill for sure. Well, Keith can't hear anything anyway, so. Yeah, we will get to that when we did that. But I, he was, I believe Keith was like three or four feet from Cass. And I've watch Cass on TV. I've talked to Cass in person, and she's done the show. She's a pretty loud and intense woman, so I, it's, I don't know how you can't hear Cass. I, I really don't know, and I don't know why. I know they have to cover their eyes, but it looked like Keith's buff was over his ear, so I don't I don't know what he was thinking, and it was hard to watch that, but it, it's going to be hard in the challenge with that big a space and everything, screaming in the middle of the thing and trying to get people to listen to you, and there's two other people screaming at the same time. But Keith was like a foot away. He's like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. <laughs> he's like, Keith, Keith, I think he, Keith. Had his, he had his buff tied down over his ears. I I don't know. Or he, or he smuggled in <laughs> chewing tobacco in his ear and he forgot he had it in there. I don't, I don't know. But that Keith, it was, he just couldn't hear anything. And Terry, she wasn't really talking to Terry much, and then we'll get to that challenge, but I can't believe Joe is just running on the beach, Super Joe, and just grabbing heavy pieces by himself and bringing them back. Like, you know, I think Joe's a crafty guy. I hope he wasn't cheating, but how did Joe just, he was dominating that thing. It was crazy. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I, uh, it's not but I know the challenges were both really cool. And it wasn't, we did get another puzzle, but it's this huge physical puzzle that's going to, you know, knock you down. Savage was talking about with that, with the one that was the uh, the immunity challenge. He said it's the toughest thing he's ever done. And I guess that's even tougher than pushing a wagon while you're naked in Panama. Like, it was just like so physical. Everyone was getting beat up. Uh, and that challenge has done that before, so I know Survivor knows that. So either they're trying one to they're one to make people tired. I really hope they're not one to have any injuries. I know it's hard with twenty people in a season. No, they're not trying to get a medevac, but that well, would be extremely dangerous, and no one got really hurt besides from Jeff. I I may be losing my mind, but didn't we see at the end of last week's episode next week on Survivor? Didn't it seem like they stopped it for somebody? Yeah, we did. They, we did get more of an editing pull. It looked like where the old fake out, where you know somebody's going to get really hurt. Who's it going to be? Watch Survivor. Like, yeah. But that really didn't happen. There was a lot of. There was. A, it was a great montage of. I believe every single person got injured except for Keith because he couldn't hear anybody to be injured. But I don't think I saw a Keith shot of. It hit my foot. It was just like he was over there right next to Cass, like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. 
But, you know, I think the worst one besides Jeff's was Spencer went top one over over a couple pieces and he couldn't see to protect himself and he's getting, like, stabbed with. That was just no, not good <laughs> at all. But, well, let's start at the beginning of the episode. We have done our typical, it sucks to see Varner go, but uh, we'll start more at the top if we can. And our guest said he'd be calling in any time, so I don't know how, if uh, Tyler's on the switchboard or getting close, so. He's not here quite yet, but. Okay. He's on his way. Traffic's bad in California. Uh, <laughs> not when you're on a phone, it's a little different. But uh, let's see. Do 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 do. Well, they did the previously on Survivor and the recap. I thought it was interesting to see the the first quote of the episode. Of the pre of the, after they do the recap of everything that happened, is it's on it's encore night nine and Warner's like I can't believe I'm here. You guys didn't vote me off. I dodged a bullet, you know. And he's just talking to people. And he's talking about how loyal he was. But then you're already getting people politicking right after the episode. Whatever thing happened, I you know Tasha is talking. Warner should have gone home, and she was going on about Warner and called him a snake and. There's a lot of animals, a lot of animal imagery in Survivor. You know, snakes are usually, you know, viewed as bad. You know, the first time humans interacted with a snake didn't really work out well for anybody. Uh, since then, snake is still one of those animals that, you know, rats, snakes, you know, one of those animals that's bad. So she's calling him a pretty much terrible person, which makes it interesting that, you know, he didn't, he wasn't really in contention until then, you know. He was he got saved by the vote, but I wonder if things had been different if Varner wasn't there, you know, if for some reason he had been ousted as a liability the previous week, you know, what would have happened. But still They have one of the cutest images of animals on this week's Survivor ever. Oh, the baby monkey. I'm trying monkey. to recall all the baby monkey and who was that around? I'm trying to remember who the baby monkey was, who they were. Was it around an episode or was it just an insert shot not really connected with a particular player? Well, let's bring up your guest and we'll talk about it once we get him up. He's on our switchboard now. Okay. All right, cool. So here, let's do this. We bring him up now. We have... Tyler Fredrickson from Survivor Worlds Apart with us. Tyler, thank you so much for calling in. What's up, guys? Happy to be here. Oh, yeah, we're digging right into the beginning of the episode. We're about to talk about a monkey that Sherry saw in an insert shop. But really quick to recap, you and I have an interesting history, kind of unlike you know many of the cast. I've met so many of you guys, but I first interacted with you non-verbally at the uh, after the, my first season hosting this show on San Juan del Sur, and you happened to be at the after party. And uh, what was that experience like, just being at the after party, knowing that you were on season 30? Was that, what it was, was that like? And, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I was, uh, I, 
See, I don't know the whole Survivor ins and outs of this world. It was all new to me. I didn't know there yeah. was like Reddit's and Survivor sucks and you know and the and the blogs and the uh, podcasts. But of course, guess mm-hmm. who does? Max. Max does. Yeah, yeah. So Max is like, dude, there's this whole like little world, and there's the after party of the finale going on in Hollywood. And Max and I live, you know, sort of both in L.A. And so yeah. we went out there together, and next thing you know, we're meeting all these great fans who, you know, travel from all over the country, and then I'm seeing some of the producers, because we had already filmed our mm. seasons, seeing some of the yeah. producers who, who were out there on the island, and then seeing some of the cast, and then going mm. to them and kind of being, like, you know, quiet about it, but like, hey, man, I was on, I'm on the next season. <laughs> about yeah. half, of them, half of them blow you off, um, mm-hmm. which, is, which is pretty funny, because then after the season, our season aired, I got to meet a lot of them again at some of these events throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these, and then they're like, dude, so good to meet you. I'm like, no, 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 no. We met <laughs> each other before, buddy, and you kind of blew me off, which is totally fine. Like, I love to give them crap because they had no reason to know anything. And you make people feel, make people feel bad and, and give them a little crap <laughs> for them. Really fun. Why are the opposite feeling, man? Because I – yeah, I didn't know you from from Adam, so I was like, this dude, you know, and I, and I found out from Allie, who was on Caramelin, who was on casting for a while. She told my friend Tosh, who ran the event you were at with us in, you know, Cincinnati. And I was like, how do I break this in? And you were talking to Rocker, John Rocker, I think for like 40 minutes, and I heard you say it to him, but I still thought it would have been a weird conversation because I didn't know you were, you know, I didn't want to spoil it that I knew they had told me you're on it. I didn't want you to get like any like weird like who's this dude? Like why does he want to talk about season thirty? It's not announced yet, so it was really weird, you know. And then he did the show, and that was cool. You know, we did the finale, and then I got to be like, "Yo, dude, I, I've seen you, but we never talked," you know. And then post show, just had a rip roaring good time at two events, you know, one for juvenile diabetes and one for Give Kids the World, both awesome events. So it's just neat the you know, the circle there. So just a unique survivor experience for me. So what's it like sure. what's it like uh being on the season now and not being in the cat not being one season, you know, past years and watching how it plays out? Well before we jump into that, Mike, I just want to let your listeners know that you know, myself, I see after the show aired it was like great, that was fun, exciting and then we get phone calls that hey there's this whole this is whole this is whole like charity tour where you can jump mm-hmm. around from different cities and different states and, and do different really great events that survivors and other reality show people have done mm-hmm. in the past. Okay, I don't know about that, but whatever. And it we sounds weird about. just listening about it, right? That's even that just sounds interesting and strange to start with. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I, who wants to talk to me? I don't know who does, but apparently like, you know, they want people from our season to come out. So I talked to Max and he of course and he's Max is like, Yeah, this one's good, this one's good, this one's good and we end up mm-hmm. going out to this Cincinnati, it's myself and Mike and Sierra. And what was really fun about that was that Big Mike was the guy who picked us up. And then you ended up yeah. kind of becoming like sort of our our handler, so to speak, throughout the throughout the couple days. And yeah. uh, we have, I mean, I'll just let people know that Big Mike had to put up with some dirty, the dirty 30 and all of our crazy adventures are like, you know, midnight escapades through downtown Cincinnati. Like, we got to find a river. Let's go find a river. We're going to go swim in a river right now. And then ended up stopping in White Castle. <laughs> and every, 
stumbling and <laughs> yeah, giving the White Castle. I spent $35 at White Castle, and I didn't know that was humanly possible. I still don't know how the hell he spent $35 at White Castle because everything's like 70 and 80 cents, but he got a lot of stuff. For sure. We 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 had some crazy adventures. So when, uh, you know, then we saw each other in Orlando. Then when you call and you're like, hey, I did a podcast, which, again, I, I'm yeah. embarrassed. I didn't know you did, but it makes perfect sense that you would. I was like, I got to, of course I got to do it because Big Mike was there in Cincinnati having to deal with us and being kind of a part of our, our, our crew. So anyway. Um, it would be a dream yeah, job for me, for sure, to be a handler. I, I need to just get with Burnett or something and tweet and be like, dude, I'd be a perfect handler. Then I could stop doing, doing my regular job and just travel the world and just hang out with survivors more than I already do. It'd be great. So. Talk to talk to the casting department. That's a that's a that's a tweet at Allie. That's where you get in there. Allie and, and Caitlin and those people. That's it. All right, I'll talk to them. Yeah, one won't have to deal with me. So <laughs> that would be anyway, your so, perfect job, Big Mike. Perfect job. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, what's it like? The one season removed from everything and. You know, not being your your guys, except for a couple that are on there. But what's what's that like? Well, it's it's interesting because, you know, a lot of these people that we're watching on the current season, it's like those are the people that I grew up watching, or and mm-hmm. I've been a fan forever. So it's been really fun to you know see these guys again. But then now it's a it's a totally new weird context. Like I think back on my life, I'm like, mm-hmm. is it a dream that I did that? Because now it just mm-hmm. feels like I'm a fan again from 15, 10, 15 years ago. So yeah. it's a little strange, but then you yeah, you do see people like Shereen and Joe kind of in the midst, and that's a little mm-hmm. strange. The, when it kind of hit home for me, is it was right before the first very first episode, and Jeff Probst got a hold of the official CBS Instagram, and he was posting mm-hmm. like three or four of these behind-the-scenes shots of, you know, like Sierra, I think, was doing a, not my Sierra, the, uh, the new Sierra, mm-hmm. um, Blood versus Water Sierra, but she was like out there doing um, – doing an interview on a rock and you could see all the camera crew and you could see, um, you know, the, the, one of the producers who was out there, Jolia's interview, you could see the guys holding, mm-hmm. one of the guys booming and, and the other guy holding the, yeah. the bounce. And it was like, it was so interesting. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like that was, yes, that was, that was us a few months ago, you know, mm-hmm. or I guess more like a year ago, but it feels like a few months ago. That's yeah. really cool. It's like, Oh man, I miss that. Like I miss that. I miss that, that, that excitement and that attention and that, like, people care about what you have to say and you're a part of something and you're making history and you're telling a story, that's really cool. Um, but then I watched, like, last night's episode and you see, like, Wu like, digging himself out of the out of the sand and, you know, Tasha going, we haven't eaten in four days and everybody, like, dropping onto the mat after, after a challenge. I'm like, I don't miss any of that. Like, that's how oh, yeah. How does this um, environment compare to yours? Because I, do you, do you know, I know that they, they were talking about Cambodia, maybe like the hottest season ever, kind of close to Guatemala, just for the you know that that tropical, you know, like Africa where the conditions sucked, but it, you know, was a different type. Was it pretty comparable or worse here in Cambodia? Do you think, or do you know anything from talking to like, you know, Joe and Shreen were there? Is it, did they think it was a worse environment than where you guys were? I would have to imagine it was worse. I mean, we had it okay. pretty good. I mean, it rained most nights for about 30 minutes to about two hours in Nicaragua. Um, okay. But at that point, we had a tarp, and at some some places we had two tarps. So we mm-hmm. were comfortable. 
Um, and then it rained, I think, in the midst of the game, two or three days, um, where it actually rained during the day for most of the day. So we, I mean, we okay. had rain, but it wasn't anything like that. We had a, a ton of mosquitoes, but in talking to Joe, Joe said they had a lot of bugs. And you can see okay. like, on some of the cast, cast members, they got some bug bites all around them. But pretty, from pretty what enough. I've heard, Joe said the heat is incomparable. We had it warm some days, but you had shade. There was humidity, mm-hmm. but not a ton. But I guess from what he said, I mean, they were, I mean, some of these challenges were in like 90 to 100 degree heat, which, wow. you know, it sounds like, you, you know, if you, if you if you were like, I mean, I grew up you know, playing football, and if I got to go out mm-hmm. and play a 90 to 100 degree heat game, that's pretty miserable. But you're only out there for about three or four hours before you're showering, mm-hmm. you're getting good food, you're getting some air conditioning back at your house. or Yeah, yeah. These guys are living in it day in and day out. That kind of heat, I mean, you're constantly sweating. You're constantly, I mean, your 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 body is always fighting, trying to cool off. No that nutrients, the fluids, yeah, yeah. It drains on you, you know, six to nine days in. So then you go out and do a challenge in 100-degree heat. It's it's way worse than anything I think we can normally prepare for as, mm. you know, people living in a first-world country who don't have to put up with that as much. Our first world problems pale in comparison to these people that actually live in there in Cambodia. In these, in those conditions, it's got to be crazy. Do you uh, did you anticipate kind of what happened to Shireen and how her early exit and you know Joe still in there is you know one of the strongest players? Did, did you kind of get a gut reaction that that would happen? Do you think it'd be different? What do you what what was your take on the people you played with? Um, I, I could have gone either way with either of them. People are like, all right, Joe, mm-hmm. Shereen, what are you going to predict? I'm like, either they're going to win the game or they're going to be first out. Like, I, mm-hmm. I felt that it could go really either way because they're both such, they're both such polarizing characters. I mean, Shereen can get into your face and nonstop talk about it, nonstop mm-hmm. be about the game to the point where yeah. it's so untrustworthy and so <laughs> all over the place and so much strategy, we got to cut her mm-hmm. loose. Plus, she's... Yeah. Shereen has not proved to be very strong in challenges. Whereas Joe is just like, you know, he's he's great at everything, but he's not really strategic either. And mm-hmm. so it's like, where's Joe going to fit in that whole spectrum? So I, I look, a lot of, there are survivors out there who know the outcome of this season already, who did not mm-hmm. play. Um, yeah. You know, people just can't keep their mouth shut. But I love the fact that I can go into this season now knowing what I know of having played the game but watch mm-hmm. it like I used to. Um, I never knew. I never knew that the CBS released all the names of guys before. The oh, season yeah, yeah. I just, For me, I'd watch this finale, and Jeff would go, coming up next season, we're going to be here, and it's going to be this new theme. And I'm like, wow, that was pretty cool. And then the premiere would be on a Wednesday night three months, four months later, and I would make sure that I was watching. I, I, it was always a new surprise. And I love that. I love going in from, uh, from a viewer standpoint with, like, you know, just – the, just the purity of it. Like, you guys, editors, mm-hmm. storytellers, Jeff surprised mm-hmm. me. Um, so I, I know nothing about this season. I don't know I don't know what really happens. And it's been really fun to kind of stay away from things. When people are like, what happened to Shereen? What happened with Joe? I was like, they could be first or last. I really think that could happen. So when I see Shereen go, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, that's about as close to... It's probably good to be removed from it, too, yeah, to not. Because sometimes that's fun to know, and sometimes it's not. I've had both experiences as a fan where the Florida event, Sandra, I was just hanging out with her before she defriended me from an online game, but 
she, she was there and wanted to know every single thing from the, that season, Blood versus Water, the first one. And I was like, I gotta leave, Sandra, because you're gonna keep getting all these spoilers, and I, I don't want to know it. But she wanted to know everything. I was like, no thanks, <laughs> not yeah. my thing. From your, um, you don't need to release your ballot. I don't know if you even voted. But did uh, what do you think of this cast? Was it pretty much who you thought it would be? Any surprises? Anyone you kind of wanted to see as a fan that didn't, you know, get to play? No, you know, I, um, I, again, not being a crazy Survivor historian, mm-hmm. I didn't know who Varner was. I don't remember mm-hmm. Deep and Savage. I, I just kind of knew the people from the last couple of years when I really okay. started really started to tune in in the last probably four or five years where I, like, never missed an episode. But yeah. I was one of those guys who, like, rewatched episodes and then, you know, met up with friends and family to talk about what they liked about the episode. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. that. I just would watch it. And I was like, you know, everybody made fun of me for watching Survivor. When I was cool with it. Like, I still love the show. It obviously, mm-hmm. got fans for a reason. But most of yeah. my, most of the people are like Game of Thrones and, you know, they're on to new, new things, new reality shows, whatever. And I'm like, hey, yeah. I still love this little thing. So when it came to, like, the ballot, I was like, I'll just, I'll, I want Joe and Shreen and, you know, Max and Carolyn. I pretty much knew that I was more than confident Mike was not going to go because he won. And, yeah. um, you know, it's like, I want those people to get another chance, sure, because it's, it's important and exciting to them. But as far as everybody I, else, I didn't really, I didn't really care. Well, I'd recommend if you get a if you get a chance, I would say at least for like Savage's story arc and and Varner's to try to get back if you can. Uh, they're pretty pretty compelling, just how they got booted out and you know why they're so passionate to play again. Well, I'm wa- I mean, I watch I'm rewatching episode uh, season two right now because I never or I, I never never watched. And you know, I, it's funny because Mitchell, who's one of the guys who gets voted out, is also a friend of mine, and I got yeah. to meet a couple of the other people from that season around during our summer travels. So I'm watching mm-hmm. Varner and I'm like, Varner, like he's kind of funny, kind of quirky, but like other than that, he's not really making much of an impact. And even the way he kind of goes out is a little like, meh, well, that was sort of pathetic. But now yeah. watching him come back, without a doubt, he is like the most impressive, the most fun to watch. And, mm-hmm. you know, last night, last night was a tough one. Yeah, we were talking about that. I don't know when you were listening, when you had hit one to get in, but, you know, he was definitely Sherry and Sherry and my favorites. I think Paul Paul was liking him, too. Uh, Sherry, I've been asking a lot of questions, and I, I thought I've talked to Tyler a lot. Even I still have questions. I mean, I, got, I could talk and ask Survivor stuff all day long. Do you have any questions or anything for Tyler I, before I just keep asking I do stuff? have a question <laughs> for Tyler. Bring um, it, Sherry. I wanted to find out... <laughs> How awkward was it for I know it was terribly awkward, but just how terrible was it for you having to be out there with Shireen when she was walking around the beach with no clothes on? <laughs> and, I mean, we can no see... No bottoms, not even... <laughs> we can yeah. see the, the look on your face. I mean, just tell us what might have been going through your mind as she was walking around out there with <laughs> no pants on. <laughs> I was and, actually going to ask that, so I'm glad you're asking this, so I don't have to talk about Shireen. Can you give <laughs> us any idea? I've heard a couple of different reasons why she was out there with, with no pants on, and one of the reasons I was told was because she was boiling her underwear. Can you confirm or deny those? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> how you keep 
clean out there is that you boil your clothes. And and, uh, and you typically boil your clothes in the pot that you boil your rice in. So you've you got to make do, and you got to do what you got to do. But, yeah. um, but we didn't see but, anybody you know, else walking around without their pants on. Well, we did see Max. Well, Max, but... Well, Max, but... <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and Max, the other ladies didn't do that. No, I, I, Max, Max, his thing was... You know, he had to go as they as they, as we call it, do an aqua dump. Like he had to go out in the water, and he mm-hmm. felt like it was just going to be cleaner just to completely take things off and keep them dry. And yep. you know, staying dry is so important. That's another thing. What I heard about Cambodia is these guys are getting rained on constantly, and there were a lot of days and nights where you're just dripping. It's the most miserable thing. I can't explain how horrible yeah. it is. And Max felt like if I just strip off here and walk in, nobody really cares. We're all kind of in this together. And that's sort of true. Like, after the first few hours, I mean, we filmed us, you know, our opening scene is us coming through in these big open back, like, trucks. And we're kind of looking at each other as we're coming through mm-hmm. the Nicaraguan um, countryside. You know, those trucks would stop to reset and for, you know, to get a new angle or to bring the helicopter in. Everybody would jump off and because so many people were nervous or drinking tons of water, starting to try, stay hydrated before we knew we weren't going to have water for the next 39 days, everybody would jump off those trucks and just run right, sit there in the road and, like, and, and, and pee. I mean, like, it was – people at that point, we were, like, 20 minutes into the game, and cameras – we hadn't even said a word, but everybody was just like, you just got to do it. You just got to, like, live and survive. So when we get out there – and, of course, I grew up playing a lot of football, um, as mm-hmm. I said, and, like, walk, you know, just, like, I'm used to locker room nudity. It doesn't bother me. But um, – so even, like, Shereen – it really didn't bother me. So I'm like, you know what? Like, if there were no cameras around, if this, if this was us literally surviving, I would probably see everybody be naked all the time because, mm-hmm. you know, you've just got to keep clothes clean and it's just the quickest way to clean yourself. But here's the difference, though. Here's the difference is that there are cameras out there. And you know that behind each one of those cameras is about 10 million people who could yeah. potentially see what you're seeing. So... On one hand, it didn't really bother me that Shereen was kind of doing that. I mean, I felt it was a little strange. It was kind of funny. But on the yeah. on the other hand, I also realized that if I'm the guy who's standing there with my hands, you know, in my pockets, like kind of leering, going like, yeah, there you go, <laughs> do that again, I come across in a certain way, you know. Yep. And the other way is if I, like, throw up my hands and go, this is an outrage, you know, I also am perceived <laughs> in a different you way. You look like a prude or something, yeah. So, yeah, so for me it was like, I kind of like – I just felt like I was John Krasinski from The Office, you know, like watching Jim from The Office in the way like, you know, Dwight or Michael Scott would say something stupid and he would go, okay, and acknowledge them, but they'd also look at the camera and be like, I get it, like they're weird. Like we're kind of in this moment together, right? Yeah. You don't feel the the cameras very much, but during those crazy kind of awkward moments, you do. And I just sort of felt like if I can kind of relay – to the audience how this is a little awkward. Not only is she getting naked, but she's getting naked knowing that there's millions of people for which are going to see this and see like, how she's handling herself. That's a little different for me. So let's sort of relay that difference in a way that maybe is kind of humorous and that could be a fun moment. And it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm follow up for uh, Shereen's awkwardness. And this will be the last Shereen question, I, I hope. The on a like you're what not percentage a of you're not a well, uh, uh, she's not one of my favorite players of all time. I was just expecting a whole different experience from her when I met her. I I don't know if she'll be different at second chances, but 
it just wasn't the ideal experience. But my question is, what percentage of time did she talk about this monkey sex? Because it seemed like a big theme of our show last <laughs> season was it was the incessant monkey sex talk, and it was probably it'd be something weird to see, and it'd be like, well, that's interesting, and okay, but I don't. She just would always talk about it, at least what we saw for a while there. Was that as bad as it appeared to the viewer, or was it worse or the same, or what was that all about? I mean, I feel like with that at that point in the game, we were all a little bit like, all right, Shereen, just, you know, just calm down a little bit. Just, you know, generally yeah. pull it back. We're all hungry. We're exhausted. We're burnt out. And, you know, she's just constantly – Shireen's biggest excitement, the thing that motivated her more than anything, was the fact that she got to play Survivor. Oh, oh yeah. So, I mean, and, 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 you know, so let's say she had the numbers and everything was looking really good and everybody's locked in, you know, and then Max comes up to me, and let's say Max is in her alliance and I'm not. Max comes up to me and starts talking about something. I mean, Shireen might be, and this is all, I'm just kind of making this up as we go, but Shireen would be the kind of person to be like, you know, in front of everybody, Max, why are you talking to Tyler? Why are you, what? It was just all about trying to stir, stir things up. It was, she was really excited about that. That's one of the reasons I think her and Will got into it, why she'd come over to Dan and start to kind of, you know, jaw at him. She loved mm-hmm. to stir it up. She loved to see people kind of freak out. And, um, you know, at that point, I was out gathering wood and coming back into camp, mm. and I saw them there doing that. And I saw a couple of the camera crew over there filming her. She's looking up, and she's just standing there and watching it and, and making hooting and hollering noises. And we're like, okay, like it's just Shereen being being weird. Um, yeah. And so I walk back into camp, and I'm sitting there talking to everybody. And of course, she comes running back. And look, it's real. It's good TV. It's good TV to see people do silly things. Um, but for me, like my long-term game was just to relate to people. So mm-hmm. it was just if more people felt that stream was weird, I'd come into camp and go, "That's really weird," and then they'd all go, "It's so weird." These guys, yeah, perfect. Like now we're all on the same page, which is great if you're needing people to vote for. Yeah. Um, it was the exact same way with Rodney. Rodney went out and did this whole thing like it's my damn birthday. I'm gonna act like I'm so upset that Mike's gonna be convinced I'm gonna quit the next tribal we go to, that he won't play his idol and we're all going to blindside him. Mm-hmm. And he went off and kicked the waves for, you know, uh, for 30 minutes one day or a couple hours one day. And we all sat in the shelter like, what is he doing? Like, that's so weird. What happens, though? It ends up being great TV. It ends up being, like, yeah. one of the focal points of half an entire episode. So, you know, can I fault these guys for wanting the attention and thinking that the things that they think are exciting are exciting? For me, mm-hmm. it, it, in real life, you just kind of go like, "That's weird." But out there, yeah. like the producers want crazy people acting crazy, and yep. you know that's probably one of the reasons why I wasn't in the edit so much because I didn't feel the need to do things that were a little out of the ordinary. That was yeah, that was the hard part watching the season. It was, you know, I knew you were interesting and you're hanging out with Max and that thing. I, I knew you were going to be a good strategic player. We just didn't get to know you much. That was really. You know, until I got to really talk to you, you didn't have the, the we didn't get to see that personality. So that was that was hard as a fan to really connect with. You know, he seems like he's really strategic, but we didn't get to see as much. That was rough. And it was yeah. And, it, 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 and uh, well, Dan was on two weeks ago, and I was actually running a bonfire on campus, so I was only on the show for about ten minutes. But he was really 
talking about, and this isn't a Shereen question, it's just a reference to the arc of her season one and season two. You know, Dan was talking about it was kind of ironic. The bullying was a huge part of her experience on her first season, and then, you know, everything got flipped on her and Spencer when, you know, Abby quote-unquote felt bullied, but that might have been out of context from what I can tell at least with with, uh, this season, from what I've heard. You know, it wasn't as bad, and people all that other people said they talked to Abby, not just Terry. So, who knows? I I I can't comment on the edit. I don't know how yeah. it went down, but all I can say is that the edit definitely tried to point at that. Jeff brought mm-hmm. it up at Bible that this yeah. was sort of a very similar, similar. thing. Yeah. People have said that you know being called those types of names and being cursed at is a little bit different than a group of people just sort of ostracizing someone. But mm-hmm. the reality is, it looked like Abby appeared to say those words, which was, Shereen, like, I thought of all people you would understand. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think that those are, those are some pretty cutting, poignant, and personal words. And, if you know, the I feel like the editors need to then build a case around why those words yeah. were said. Yeah. You know, it, you know, when Shereen was getting bullied by Will, they cut to me because Shereen said that a lot of people were just sitting back watching, laughing, or smiling. They mm-hmm. cut to me, like, smiling in the midst of that. You know, I may have been smiling earlier on, but things got more and more heated. It was not a comfortable thing. I certainly wouldn't have been oh, yeah. excited or, you know, amused or enthused by the fact that people were saying you're a soulless person and you're a Christian and mm-hmm. you're not acting that way. Like, that wouldn't be something that's, that's pretty enduring to me. And I felt that when PG came back after going off on Abby and Abby's, you know, they're intercutting between PG talking with the rest of the camp and Abby crying, the mm-hmm. whole camp's sitting there in the tri- at, at camp and um, they go, you know, PG walks back and they go, how was it? And she goes, it felt good. Like, I gave it to her. It felt good. And they all burst into laughter. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they had two different cutaways when Abby's sitting there going, I can hear them. They're all laughing back there. They're all treating me poorly. Mm-hmm. They cut specifically to Shereen laughing twice. And I like, I know what that feels like, to feel like yep. she's up home watching going, that's not the way it was. That edit makes me look completely, like, heartless and, and horrible. And, you know, mm-hmm. welcome to – you live and die by the edit. You know, you really yep. do. Look, look at Monica this season. Look at, yep. uh, you know, at Kenny this season. Look at Varner. Yeah. It's um it's interesting how they want to find they'll find their stars and they'll stick to them and they'll they'll create they'll create stars. I mean look at look at look at Joe. I mean oh, yeah. CBS is setting out in two seasons to create a brand new megastar. And you know I know Joe's one of my closest friends. I've spent almost the entire summer with him. You know mm-hmm. Joe's a great guy. He does a lot of things right. You know, but he's human too. Um, it's amazing how the edit ends up choosing where they're going to go with things. I'm waiting for him to walk on water in one of these episodes because of the, the edit he's getting. And I was really surprised at the reward challenge. You know, it's going to be, it's called, they're just even calling it a hero challenge. Like it's, like I bet Jeff probably dreamed that thing up just to see these alpha males go toe to toe. Were you surprised at all to see? Uh, for Takeo, Dietz to go up. I know he's a legend. I mean, you, you're catching back up on the seasons, and Dietz was a beast right. back when he played and won five in a row. But did that surprise you that Joe wasn't the, the hero for that tribe? Or did you – it was a little strange. Probably. I thought that, that Dietz was doing yeah. that, not Joe. It totally surprised me because Joe yeah. is the kind of guy who would be really good at that stuff, sort of the finesse, 
type movement. So as soon as Jeff announced it, I just I I looked and I was like, it's Joe. Joe's gonna do it. Here's Joe. And then all of a sudden they end up switching. I'm like, oh, maybe our yeah. boy is starting to learn. <laughs> like, yeah, he actually can hold back and try to you know keep a target off of him. Like, okay, Joe, maybe you're. But I, you could also tell from that. That challenge was so taxing. It took so mm-hmm. much out of everybody. And when you're nine days in, you know, when I was yeah. nine days in, that's when I actually sat on the beach as the sun went down and said, I think I'm probably going to quit. Like this, I don't understand mm-hmm. what this yeah. is all about. Little did I know that I had like, you know, three or three and a half weeks left to still keep playing. But, you know, at he was nine high days, stepping, he was high stepping and running and stuff. And he's, he's like the oldest guy out there. I, I, it was, I mean, for that demographic over 49, they were probably going, I mean, I'm I'm 35, and I can't even, I couldn't do half a lap right now in my physical condition. And that guy's over 50, he's like 55, and he's high-stepping on his third lap back. Like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe they thought that it makes sense for Joe to save himself because they're going to need him, you know, down the road. They're going to need him for, yeah. you know, for immunity or whatever it might be. All I want, all I want, though, because I know that Joe is good at it. He's built and he's really born for mm-hmm. survivor type stuff. I want to see him be strategic. That's what I want to see. I want to see Joe oh, make yeah. really choices. And that was the first one in four episodes or whatever it is that he actually kind of stood back. Joe loves the spotlight. He loves to be the guy making the faces in the camera. He loves all eyes mm-hmm. on him. It's good TV. The producers eat it up, and if you can follow through and be sexy and cool, they will make sure to get you on camera. For sure. Uh, there's a later scene that's after that challenge. Uh, just to recap for the people listening, you know, Takeo gets immunity, and then on- Encore, you know, finally pulls through. They get the first immunity. Then they go to the next day. And this is one of the, I think one of the best scenes of the episode because it shows where it was between Cass and Kelly on the beach, and uh, when when Cass is sitting there and she's talking about her change, you know, she's chaos Cass, she's, you, people remember flipping Trish off, you know, going against people on the vote and wanting to be chaotic, and she's trying to change her game, and she's sitting there messing around with beads and stuff, and Kelly, who I think is, one of the, is getting a great edit, and producers are showing that she's phenomenal, and I think she was phenomenal and got a raw deal in her first season, Kelly uh, Wentworth. And Cass is there messing around, and Kelly comes up trying to sniff out trouble. And Cass, you think being regular Cass is just go away. Like, and you think, you know, Cass is just being a jerk. And it ended up being Kelly's birthday, and instead of making a fake idol, Cass made Kelly a birthday gift. You know, looking back since you've been a brilliant of the past five years of the show, what kind of character story arc is that for both of them? What what was your take on that scene? I, I thought it was nice. I thought it, yeah. as, and as, as somebody who works in film and is a writer, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're always looking for how characters are changing. What's interesting about yeah. this season is that not only are we trying to learn who these characters are in the midst of season 31, but how it mm-hmm. complements the way they played before. I mean, you look at Barner. Yeah. Barner was sort of not non-existent in his first season, he was old school. Now he's yeah. new school, learning the ways of new school. It's a great character arc. Yeah. The way things are coming full circle. Yeah. Shireen was very much, a, you know, victimized, so to speak, in the first season. Now she was, you know, on the other hand of it. That's really good yeah. storytelling. 
Spencer, the exact same place, but still now trying to learn and trying to yep. figure out how to, you know, tell his girlfriend I love you. Chaos Cat, the exact same way. We want to see mm-hmm. the way people are changing. Again, not within only season 31, but how it mm-hmm. paints them as a fuller picture of who they are as a Survivor cast, uh, contestant. My, yeah. my, my thought is, for the most part, though, these moments happen for everybody all throughout the time they're there. There's good moments, there's bad moments. I mean, yeah. they call what they're showing. Out, yeah, I was out in the water, and we were out, like, looking for fish one, when we were um, on our original uh, white-collar beach, and they said, hey, the helicopter's coming in. And there was this big, huge rock that was out in the middle of the ocean sticking out. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go over there and stand up on it and dive off when, when, when the helicopter comes over. That will be a really cool shot. Little yeah. I know that for half of the day, that big rock that was sticking up, the tide would go out so much, so far and, and come back in. That that thing was actually covered. So now that it's uncovered, I go out there thinking I'm just going to climb up on a rock, which I've done for my whole life. And lo and behold, I slip on, like, a bunch of algae, and, like, I end up scraping mm. the crap out of my legs and my shins, bleeding <laughs> as the helicopter goes over me. Like, we all can look like fools. We all can yeah. look like complete stars. And I think mm-hmm. what they're trying to show is they've got some really great raw footage of the way people were. And now it's yeah. saying, like, let's make this really interesting by pulling the, the comments, pulling the actions, pulling the scenes for the way how people have changed, how they're growing. Mm-hmm. And I think the more they focus on those characters making the changes, the the further they're going to go in the game. Yep. With the exception of Varner, with the exception of Varner. I mean, like, yeah. I think Varner also was the star of the first four episodes. Mm-hmm. For so sure. Just, on paper, just issue... on paper, I think. Just on paper, I think that Spencer and Cass are probably going to go far. I mean, it just feels yeah. like we're starting to see them realize how they need to switch things up, and yep. then now they're doing it. And they made it great in Kagayan when they were. I mean, everyone was big rivals except Wu was just kind of around. But it's great to have that rivalry again, and the, and the metamorphosis that they're both trying to make. Uh, you know, not being chaotic, not being a game bot like Spencer, who's a good guy, but he's one of those, you know, new age fans. It's all about, you know, we got to split the vote this way and we're going to do this and this is when this challenge. Like, you got to have that right. real human reaction to people. Yeah, well, that's why I wonder, who are the people that are unchanged or doing the exact same thing from their initial mm-hmm. season? Because yeah. I have a feeling that's not going to be very interesting from the complete story mm-hmm. sense. Thus, they may not be going far which has me worried for people like Wu, who's still kind of clueless and just sort of not yep. really there, and Joe, who's trying to be the best at everything. You know, is yep. Joe going to go out the same sort of place? Um, you know, what's going to happen? How are these guys going to start to realize they need to make moves and they need to make changes soon? That That's going to be yep. interesting to me. I want to say one person that's kind of gotten a, a zero, hardly any screen time is Kimmy, and she was, you know, you're just re- getting into Australia now, but... You know, I didn't vote for Kimmy to get on second chances just because I couldn't stand her in Australia. But we haven't seen that annoying, I'm a vegetarian, I'm whatever, I'm going to talk about farting all night and get Deb all mad in season two. Like, uh, maybe they're just not showing her being annoying yet, but they're on the next time on Survivor, it looks like that might be coming around. But, you know, Kimmy's not getting shown Sierra, Monica, like Keith. Keith was that, you know, wild country guy, the the hick that didn't know anything, and we're just not we're not even seeing Keith hardly at all. It's yeah. are they getting this invisible edit because they're going to do well, or is it just there's nothing to present? I, you know, Survivor 
and spent um and uh Steven wrote his blog on People magazine the other day and actually brought me up. He called me Purple oh, yeah. Kelly. I gave him some crap about it. I'm like, really? Like, Purple Kelly? Like, you're calling me that? Or Purple Tyler, rather? You call me Purple Tyler? Like, I quit the game? Like, come on. I don't remember you quitting on day 29. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember I mean, that at all. Yeah, come on. Of all the people, like, and, and I love Kelly Shin. Like, she's, like, we're buddies. But I was like, that's kind of a different sort of thing. And he said, no, 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 I meant it in a compliment because, you know, if that challenge where you go out, you know, right around seven, if you win that, we learn more about you. It's you know we 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 see more of you throughout the entire season. And I guess mm-hmm. like I was one of his favorite people to watch because he felt like I was playing a good game. The point of all that is, of course, not not just talking about myself. But the point is, <laughs> survivor works. Survivor works backwards. So if we know that, you know, Mike Holloway wins the game, we're going to show and get to know a lot more about Mike. And episodes yep. one through eight, you know, we ha- we have to learn who this guy is because he's gonna be sticking around. So yep. the other thing is, so not so not to mention the entire series arc, but each individual episode works backward. Who's the team that's going to tribal? Because we're gonna have yep. to focus on them. We're gonna talk a little bit about what who they're sort of discussing around the you know beginning, the first or second act of the episode. We'll introduce another camps to talk about who they're kind of sort of the drama there and can mm-hmm. go down and that might further a story but at the end of the day the team that's never going to tribal never really has much to discuss it's worth any drama or conflict it's more like you know we're gonna get we're gonna let a chicken escape or today we mm-hmm. caught 20 fish instead of nine like what's exciting about that the fun and the levity is often missed yep. because the show needs to cut to the comic the, the the conflict and drama. And I think mm-hmm. Keith, Keith and Joe and, like, some of their great confessionals might be mm-hmm. because of that, because these yeah. guys just continue to win and won't go to tribal anytime soon. That's hard, yeah, to get their perspective. Uh, I want to be con- conscious of your time that we had talked about before. Uh, Sherry, are there any, is there anyone in the... Uh, in the queue, anyone anyone on the switchboard want to get a question in for Tyler? I want to be sensitive of that if there are, or if Paul or you have questions. So, no, I did want to ask him. Um, it's a little bit off the topic of Survivor, but um, I did want to ask him about being in the the book A Few Seconds of Panic. Um, <laughs> that had to be okay, interesting. Oh, sorry, there was a little. Can you there. tell us a little about a little about that being in the book of you seconds of panic? Yeah, are you a Denver Broncos fan? Um, not exactly, but I just happened to run across um the fact that you were a topic in that book and wanted to find out a little bit more about it. Yeah, it's when I was kicking and punting with the Broncos in my second season there, and one of the mornings I came in to practice, you're always kind of concerned. Like, every day when you come in the NFL, you either be sent home or, you know, or you're still there. And I walked in, and my locker was kind of split down the middle, and they had a new a second placard at the top of at the top of the, um, of the locker. And I, it was a name I had never seen before. And I know most of, most of the kickers and punters in the NFL are a small a little fraternity. It was a guy I'd never heard before. And suddenly this dude who was like, I don't know, 30, I think 41, late 30s, early 40s comes walking up. And he goes, hey, I'm Stefan. I look at the top of the locker and it says, Stefan, who are you? He goes, I'm the new kicker here. 
I'm like, you got to be kidding. This dude's like five foot four. He's a little Greek guy. He, he walked like he walked like he just got thrown out of the washing machine. And I'm like, okay, like, what's going on here? He's, he's like, I've never, I've never played, I've never played, I've never kicked the ball in my life. And I, and I, you know, played a little bit of soccer when I was like, you know, 30 years ago. And I'm like, is this a joke? Like, what's going on? And he said, well, I'm a writer for the Wall Street Journal. And I wrote like a New York Times bestselling book about Scrabble a few years ago. And just in my sort of sports coverage throughout the Wall Street Journal, I've gotten to know a lot of the owners in the NFL. And I had a new idea, like, what if I came into the NFL and kicked? and tried to make the team and try to get on the field for a kick. And he knew uh, the owner of the Broncos, Mr. Pat Bowen, and Bowen agreed, why, why don't you come into training camp and just we'll see what you got? And we'll make it a little bit of a story. And it was a small little news story, but all in all, what it really was for was for Stefan to write a new book on what training camp with an NFL team looks like and his sort of paper lion-esque approach to how he can get mm-hmm. on the field. So that was that. And what ended up happening is we him and I ended up hitting it off because – we, you know, I come from uh, just a university where you have these sort of discussions about life and, and you know, the difficulties of the NFL and, um, you know, kind of like higher education. So we've, we really felt we're both huge soccer fanatics. I'm a huge U.S. national team freak, and he, the World Cup was going on at that time. And so we, we bonded over a lot of different stuff and spending most of our time together, and he was there every single step of the way to write about a bunch of stories of people trying to make the team. And it's very, very similar now that you mentioned, Sherry, I'm reflecting on it for the first time in a couple of years, but, like, it's very similar to how you live a day in the life being out on the island and having mm-hmm. cameras follow you. And if you could boil them down, those 24 hours, what are the two or three storylines that you would talk about? And for me, I never really took the time to think about it when I was playing football. I'm like, oh, today I went out and kicked and, I kind of sucked, and I came back home, and I ate a box of brownies because I was depressed, and then I, you know, I fell asleep. Well, he might boil down that moment of, like, Tyler having a really tough day. He'll then go into the coach's office. Here the coaches are thinking, we're thinking about cutting Tyler. There's then my reaction. And suddenly, like, he's boiled down my day, which I haven't given two thoughts about, to, into a complete story, into an arc of a character. And uh, it was really interesting to kind of get that book a, a year or so after I was done with the team and to reread it and see the things that he focused on and the, and the moments in the days that he focused on other players and how that played off of me and other, other you know, rookies and veterans and the front office. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the long and the short of, uh, well, very long of, of a few seconds of panic. Um, I'm really glad to hear it. That was really interesting. I'm so glad I asked that question because that was a great answer. I, I'm glad you went that in depth with it because it gave us a great perspective on the book and how you knew him and how it came about. And great answer. I really love that. Well, great question. What was it like? And as a as a who did you root for as a kid, and then what was it like? Did you actually have to play that team or with that team? Well, what was that like psychologically? I, I don't, I don't know if we've talked about this before or off the show. I can't remember, but like, yeah, I, know, a, I grew up, I grew up watching football but playing soccer. Yeah, and I grew, I grew yeah. up in Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara, California. My dad, for whatever reason, loved Jim Zorn and Steve Largent, mm-hmm. the quarterback and wide receiver duo of the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, okay. And, you know, as a okay. kid, you just kind of watch whatever your dad 
watches of the teams that he loves, you kind of love. Um, mm-hmm. I was a Dodger and Laker fan on the side, but for me, like soccer and basketball were my two best sports. And I was yeah. for a long time recruited to go play collegiately in both. And I was having to decide which I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the days when I was in high school, the soccer coach said, the football coach wants to see you um, because their, kicker's, their kicker is graduating. And I went out as a sophomore and made the varsity team as a kicker mm-hmm. and punter, not really knowing what I was doing, but just more or less having played soccer my whole life. I had, I guess, a strong mm-hmm. leg. And I ended yeah. up just sort of sticking with it, going to, uh, to Berkeley and playing there as well. And um, I, you know, as I gained more and more success, there were thoughts in, that I might be drafted. And then a phone call came on draft day, and they, the Seahawks wanted to sign you. And it was like, I mean, it was a no-brainer. And I got calls from two other teams that draft day said, hey, if it's about money, like, we'll pay you more money to come here. And I mm-hmm. told them, trust me, it's not about money. I want to go play for my childhood team. And yeah. uh, it's funny, during training camp, I was in the um, I was in the car with Matt Hasselbeck, who's now the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, or no, for the mm-hmm. Colts, for the Colts, sorry, in, charge, in place of Andrew Luck. I was in the car with him and Brock Hewer, who's a very well-respected ESPN analyst, yeah, and I just said, hey, all I want to do while I'm here, guys, I just want to get a hat. I just want to get a team hat. That'd be the coolest <laughs> thing to like wear a Seahawks team hat. Like, and they both looked at me and they kind of laughed, and then they got really serious and said, "Bro, if you want to make it in the NFL, you need to start thinking of yourself as more than just a hat guy. Like, yeah. you need to start thinking of yourself as like you want the helmet. Like, you need to, you deserve mm-hmm. to be here now. Get to work. And yeah. um, I was always a little insecure and always trying to figure out my place. It was very difficult to me, for me to be pretty pretty super cocky when being a kicker, mm-hmm. especially sometimes you were good, sometimes you were bad. And they kind of taught me that, like, you know, the strut and holding yourself with confidence and, you know, being unapologetic for the things that you do on and off the field is a way to handle yourself professionally. And that for was, sure. And that was a, a really good lesson. I ended up being cut a few weeks later. <laughs> and that's pretty atypical, I would think, to to get to play for your childhood team. I, I wouldn't think that's a high percentage for most players in the league, unless ones that are getting around and playing with a lot of teams, they, they might have the shot. That that doesn't seem like it happens a lot. Would you say that's probably true? Or I feel like guys you, take the money now more, which yeah. they probably should. Yeah. Um, you know, it used to be in the early days of the NFL, you'd play for the city in which you lived. And yeah, now yeah. Like, guys don't care. Guys don't care what logo is on their on their helmet. It's about, it's about money. Now, if you get older and further in your career, you may stop and think, okay, is this team going to go a little bit further? Because I I'm tired of losing. And mm-hmm. if they pay me a little less, we still might win some games. But for the most part, it's like, hey, the second your contract is up and you're an unrestricted free agent, you're just saying, show me the money, I'll go anywhere. Uh, yeah. You know, mostly what I've seen. What was your uh, what was your, I, I would love to where this is now the NFL uh, radio show. NFL but, podcast. <laughs> what was your favorite uh, team to be on and a part of? Uh, was there another one that you really like, liked and gelled with, maybe, or what was your what was your favorite team to be uh, a part of? And I, I played for some pretty amazing coaches and some pretty amazing teams. Being with the Cowboys mm-hmm. was great. Their fans traveled everywhere, and we actually had. Uh, training camp in Oxnard, California, which is just a few minutes south of 
where I grew up. So a lot of my okay. friends and family who didn't get a chance to follow me up to the Bay Area or around to some mm-hmm. other teams I played for got to come down and come to practice and be a part of that sort of insanity. So that was oh, cool. really fun. Plus playing for the Cowboys is really cool because you're on TV and constantly being discussed and the, the media is all over the place. And that was uh, that was really interesting. Hey, Tyler, sure. what are your thoughts about the uh, new new rules this year for uh, extra points, uh, the longer distance? Oh, great question, Paul. That's awesome, yeah. They, yeah, they seem to be messing with guys' heads a little bit. It's been it's been really interesting to watch. They've got they've, they've got to figure out a way to continue to make kicking more interesting. I think next stop is kickoffs because guys are just blasting it out of the end zone, and they've you know they try to make tweaks here and there, but. I like it. I think I'd be really frustrated if I were a kicker and having to make, you know, longer kicks. The guys have also gotten so good in the last 10 years. I mean, just so good that, you know, a lot of them aren't having problems with it. But there have been a few few examples of that being an issue. And, you know, coaches have to make some pretty big decisions now, whether going for two is worth it or not. Um, so yeah, we have uh, the Minnesota Vikings like have – uh, have a great kicker the last several years, very reliable, and Blair Walsh. Uh, he has had a heck of a problem during uh, preseason and now a few times in the regular season uh, by missing it. And I'm thinking maybe it's a lot of psychological that goes through this. Uh, I'm sure there's, that has a lot to do with it uh, in kicking, right? Oh yeah, very much so. When you walk out for a little chip shot, twenty yard, twenty yard extra point, you know in your head that you, you know, maybe missed one extra point in thirteen years of kicking, dating back to junior high school. So that it's an automatic make. So there's definitely a confidence and swagger that comes out there. Well, now when it's a thirty-three yarder, it's like that's a little bit different. Like I missed some of these and. And all my, you know, like now that the now that the excitement level in the stadium has risen quite a bit, or it's coming down to the very last kick, and we need this one point. There's definitely added pressure there that didn't used to exist. For sure. Um, four episodes are gone. We've got some more coming up. Who are who are you? Who do you like, and who do you who are you not rooting for? Just from what we've seen, or just how you're feeling, Tyler? Who do you? Who you who you've got and who you like and who you not like and you maybe go tribe by tribe or just overarching who you like and not like. You know, I kind of feel like I'm probably right there with with most of everybody else, which is sort of a mm-hmm. lame answer. Um, you know, I I was kind of liking Tasha and digging her game and the way she was kind of you know getting her fingernails into everything. And then I read mm-hmm. a bunch of the conversations that Varner's had this afternoon, which has been very interesting to see him come really hard at Tasha and say that she was, you know, almost evil at times and how mm-hmm. how difficult she oh, was yeah. and how horrible she was. Mm-hmm. So, my hometown girl. What happened? <laughs> I said, that's my hometown girl. I hate to hear that. I'm from St. Louis as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. And, you know, I got to know Monica and PG and Vetus a little bit, and it's kind of a bummer to see two of them go. And I was texting with Monica today about how she was feeling about everything. And she said she's, you know, she's, it's been, uh, she's been so busy, but it's been fun to watch the show. And Mm -hmm. of course I love watching Joe and seeing him do everything, you know, the best that he can do. I think Jeremy's, Jeremy's really interesting this time around. I think we've seen a, a couple small character moments with him, you know, whether he's, 
worried about Val or his baby, and that, that's been exciting. Plus, he's got an idol. Varner was, you know, from episode one, somebody that I was calling to be like a, a real, real major player, and unfortunately mm-hmm. that kind of fizzled out. So um, I, I've got to know Spencer um, a bunch, and uh, I kind of, I kind of just like it's sort of the way I look at how I root for NFL teams now. Most people go like, "Who do you root for? Like, who's your team? You still love the Seahawks?" And it's like once you've been out there, and once you've been like fired by guys, and once you've got to know like how much behind the scenes really takes place with the coaches in the front office, and this mm-hmm. place, in this, this case, Jeff Probst and the producers, like you kind of just go out there and you take it all with a grain of salt. Because yeah. I know that most people can look like villains and most people can look like heroes no matter how they want them mm-hmm. for the most part. So I now sort of root for players, just like I do in the NFL. It's like I'm more interested in how my friends and, and those people those people work. And um and more importantly I, I just I I, wor- I worry I want it to be a good season. I want all of them to be exciting and the stories to be great and mm-hmm. um so that's that's a pathetic way around it, but it's sort of the it's sort of the truth. Okay. I had a question. Um, going back to the tribal where you were voted out, how surprised was everyone when Mike pulled out his hidden immunity idol? Were you guys all really surprised? Because he didn't tell anybody that he had the hidden immunity idol, which I think is fairly good gameplay. I think that people, that's one one of the downfalls of Survivor when people start telling everybody that they had the hidden immunity idol. Um, if people can get a hidden immunity idol and keep it to themselves and not tell anybody, I think that's the best thing somebody can do and spring it out unexpectedly like that. How surprised was everybody when he pulled that idol out that night? Well, you got to remember that he actually had pulled it out three days prior, right before Shereen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and he said, I got this. He actually, he actually did show Shereen and said, I got this, and I'm going to play it, you know, and I'm going to write down a T. You all need to follow me and write down a T and get rid of Tyler. But, you know, that didn't happen that way. People called his bluff. And it went, comes in, you know, we come up to the next tribal, and everyone knows that Mike's going to play his idol. But one of the things that they kind of showed through, through the auction, but they didn't show as much as they could have, is that Mike was all over the place, mm-hmm. all over the place. I mean, he'd walk up to you and be like, you know, Roddy's going to vote you out tonight, and he'd walk away. And you're like, what? And I walk over to Roddy and be like, what's up, man? He's like, Mike just said you're voting for me tonight. I'm like, dude, we're good, right? And he's like, of course we're good. Mike's an idiot. Mike was out of control <laughs> and all over the place. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, look, we got to throw a few votes at Mike. Because yeah. what if, what if this guy is baldy enough and crazy enough to do something like and just say everyone's going to vote throw throw a vote at me tonight or will they and I'm going to try to call their bluff because Mike was the kind of guy who could be that polar opposite so mm-hmm. at the end of the day like we just had to make sure that we threw votes at him but as far as I was concerned I had a, in the axis of evil I had a group of four myself included that so as long as we all just stuck to the plan, we had a guaranteed final four. We could remove Dan, mm-hmm. Sierra, and Mike in any way we wanted. There was our top four. Unfortunately, two of my four had never seen an episode of Survivor before, Will and Rodney. <laughs> and Carolyn was just kind of going with the flow and whatever I had said, which was great up until that point. 
when Mike says, Tyler's coming for you, don't, you know, you're going to go home. And she's like, you're right, he is. And she just flipped too. So suddenly, like, our majority alliance, which I get it, it's not really exciting for viewers to watch one tribe just decimate another, but we had it there, and it fell apart. So, no, we weren't surprised at all when Mike pulled it out, but I was very shocked that my alliance, who had a top four guarantee, flipped on me for no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can definitely see that. How surprised are you that nobody on the struggling Angkor tribe seems to be going out looking for a hidden immunity idol? Well, they very much might be. In fact, they probably are. I mean, knowing Varner, he's probably out there going around. But the reality is they're not they showing us. They haven't found it. So what's the point in wasting 20 or 30 seconds of very valuable screen time showing people looking for something that doesn't exist? The yeah, episode, they find it, they'll show them looking for it. You know, that's it's one of the things, like hunger and thirst and bugs and crabs and snakes and, you know, injuries and that kind of stuff and, and fights and, and happy moments, especially happy and funny moments, they just don't often make it. I, I, I've been saying for years, and I'll say it forever, that, It'd be, Survivor would be a completely different show if they were 90-minute episodes. I mean, you would fall in love with way more. You'd get to know guys. It, it would be it'd be, that, it'd be more entertaining to watch because you'd become that much more connected to people through the happy mm-hmm. moments, the sad moments. Because everyone has those moments together. And you would, you would fall in love with people. But, unfortunately, that's just not the reality of the space we live in. And DVD features mm-hmm. haven't really haven't really gotten their act together, and so it'll never be that. Yep. It's not really feasible. We talked with Mike last week about, I've always thought it'd be fascinating to show what they could about the casting process, kind of like American Idol, where you watch the, the singer go from their tryouts, you know, that culmination all the way through a season. I know they probably will never show that because it's real sensitive about even why they're looking for certain archetypes and all that, but I thought it'd be really cool to see, like, you know, the journey through bringing 50 people out to L.A. and how do they, you know, what makes you what they want, what other people don't want, you know. Like, in your process, where did you see other Tylers that you're casting? Like, were there other people in your, you know, your niche that were... No, not in my niche, necessarily. Yeah. Because I I actually applied to be on Caramon. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I was essentially cast on Caramon and pulled at the very last second, about three or four days before they flew out. And so I was like, I'm done with Survivor. I don't care about this. Yeah. Like they, they really jerked me around quite a bit. I'm, I'm over it. And I got a call back for season 29, Blood versus Water, you want to do it? Like, I don't really have anybody who wants to do it with me, so no. And then they come back for 30, fifth all individuals. So I went in for casting again. Mike was there, Sierra was there, and, and Caramon mm-hmm. were there. Um, and I knew Max from season 26, Caramon, but he was up to her as well. So yeah. I knew, like, couple of the people when I got to the airport, which was kind of interesting, we were flying out. But, you know, Survivor, they love, I mean, I'm sure most hardcore viewers know this, but, like, when you're getting ready to head out to a challenge, you walk single file. There's no talking. In fact, there hasn't yeah, been talking. The flag. The yeah, yeah. Yeah, you grab the flag or you grab your torches and you walk. There has, probably hasn't been talking for the last 15, 20 minutes because they lock you down to set up all the cameras for those shots. Whenever you're traveling to and from tribal, you're doing it in a car. You're not walking 30, 40 minutes mm-hmm. to whatever it is or to challenges. You're doing it in a van that's completely blacked out with the air conditioning just blasting. So it's a few minutes of, like, you can kind of catch your breath. But you, can't speak, uh, uh, you can't speak at all. They want mm-hmm. to keep 
they want to keep the effect. Idol is a show about you go from this hometown nothing to an American hero. But this yeah. this show is all about you are basically vomited out onto a beach by a down plane or a crash boat, and let's just watch these people play a game show. So all that mm. behind the scenes stuff and and all you know, they didn't want us to see anything. They didn't want us to see Nicaragua to get an idea of what was out there because they didn't want us mm-hmm. to be talking about, hey, when we were out there, you saw that lady with that dog. That was crazy. They want every yeah. single moment to be discussing the, what's going on at camp, and that's all that yeah. you know, and that's all you're consumed by. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Well, for sure. Well, what are you up to now? Now that the, you know your post the show, and you know what was what's been your, you know this isn't like a favoritism thing by any means, but you know what's been your favorite thing now that you're you know aware of the whole charity event circuit, and it's just a a weird world. But what was maybe one of the coolest things you've gotten to do now post show? I think just travel around. It's been really fun to yeah. travel around and meet survivors that I loved and I, I really appreciated watching and getting to know mm-hmm. them. I mean, I, I've completely like become super great friends with Lex. I mean, everybody has. Everybody loves Lex. Oh, yeah. He's an amazing he's my guy. Favorite. Yeah, he's, I, I he's know awesome. how cool he is. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. And getting to know other people, and the Orlando event was much larger, so I got to mm-hmm. meet, like, Russell Hans and a bunch of other, you know, and, 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 and Boston Rob, and Rob, and Rob yeah. Yeah, and that's pretty cool for a guy who's a fan. Um, and it's cool, and they actually know who you are, and they come up to you, and they're like, dude, I really like the way you played the game. Like, you seem to have your head on straight. I'm like, I hope so. You know, whatever. <laughs> whatever it might be. But I'm also kind of one of those people that, you know, Survivor was, was right now is the greatest adventure of my life. But I don't expect it to be the great adventure of my life. I hope there's other mm-hmm. things that are coming down the road. So. For sure. I'm sort of really excited to kind of get back to normalcy. And while there's some fun perks of being on a TV show, of course, and being able to share that with friends and family and in some mm-hmm. cases the world, I'm really eager to, like, you know, move back on to the rest of my life and start doing new things. So I've got an interview okay. next week at a, at a big-time studio, and I want to start talking about ways in which I can be a storyteller and, and a world builder and think about, like, what is my next phase of my life in my career? Okay. Um, you know, so that's sort of where I'm at. I'm, I'm back into networking. I'm back into writing and trying to set up a couple different projects. And it's, it's now it's a really exciting time. I'm glad I got to live this season of my life to the fullest. I'm glad I got to travel around the country and watch almost every single episode with other members of the cast, which is incredible. And you know, mm-hmm. but hey, it all good things must come to an end, and I'm looking forward to the end a little bit. Oh, cool! Well, well, best of luck in that endeavor for sure. Uh, it's a fascinating area that you know I, I love. I'm actually working on some short stories here. We got some interesting paranormal things, and it's October on our campus, so I've been working on a screenplay for this thing called Ghost Baby, which is this. Notorious ghost on one of our one of our residents also. Yeah, best of luck for sure. And uh, I know if you if you need to go if you need to go, man, just let us know when you need to. So. Yeah, I probably should be wrapping here. I got a, I got a, uh, another meeting in about ten minutes. So. Okay. Well, we appreciate your time, and I'll let's one last thing of Sherry or Paul have anything. But thank you so much, man. It's been a great, great, uh, great show so far. 
So, uh, dude, always happy to come chat. And if you're out of you know people to talk to, I don't think you will be. But if uh, you need me to come back on, I'd love to come back on toward you know the end of the season and talk more. Uh, talk more goodness so just holler okay? yeah we're we're definitely wanting to do uh like right up to the finale you know definitely the final few people from last season you know mike carolyn will yourself uh you know sierra you know dan can come back yeah whoever just to kind of get your thoughts going into the finale would be great so i'll let you know man we'll see what the schedule's like but thanks for sure to for being on all good sorry and, is there uh, any um oh, is there any yeah is there any charity events or anything that you're doing in the near future? Anything that you'd like to promote before you go? Nothing right now. It's it's. I think it's transitioning on to, you know, the next phase of my career, and it's all attention okay. is on season 31, and I'm very happy for both of those things because those guys deserve it. Well, all right. Certainly glad to have you on the show, and you're always welcome to join us again. Um, can't wait to have you back and talk Survivor again with you. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Later, dude. Thanks. You, you have a great night. All right. Good night, crew. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. What a great I walk guy. And I, and I can't even describe it. I, I don't. I don't want to go into this the adventures because it's a lot of the just the fun stuff out of charity. I mean, you're you're raising money. You're. I was exhausted, but you just hanging out with the cast is just. So phenomenal! I feel bad the blower wasn't working well, and it was early June, so you know we didn't have the best AC, so it was kind of like Nicaragua a little bit. But just driving around, getting snacks, you know, helping uh, keep up the inventory for the for the survivors in their hotel room, and just you know, just hanging out and talking about life. It's just it's why it's so addicting. And I actually hadn't really seriously considered being a handler, but. I think it's a phenomenal thing, and I, I just have that rapport with the people, and I love helping out at the show. I've even helped at the finales before when the handlers are looking for cats. Like, we're, like they're frantically looking for Ozzy or somebody. I'm like, you know, hey, we haven't seen him down yet this morning. You know, I I think it would be an ideal job, and I know the, how everything works, so I guess I maybe I'll get talk to some people at CBS. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I think they all should know by now that you're um, quite trustworthy and, and you have a great rapport with all those people uh, yeah. already. So I think you fit in so well. And the integrity of the show is something so, is so important to me. Is I, I'd love to know what, you know, if you're out there, you know who pre-jury and jury was, but that'd be the kind of thing that I'd be very protective of not only the show, but the people that were on it. And that's just because I'm so passionate about it. Well, of course, that's kind of like how we are here on the show. I mean, mm-hmm. we're always very protective of any of the reality people that come on the show. and uh, For sure. It's just, you know, it's what we do, and we certainly don't want to have, you know, any any bad rapport with any of the reality stars. And oh, for so sure. we're very protective of them and treat them with all the kindness and respect that they deserve. And, you know, that's that's the way you are with the survivors. I mean, that's that's your passion. And mm-hmm. when you have such a great passion for something, you, you give it your all. And I, that's that would just be such a perfect job for you, Mike. I just, I could see you doing it 
for a long, long time until the show well, as long ended. As it shows, you know, I'm I can't really yeah. abandon my career. And they're talking about is the show going to get to like 35 seasons, 40? You know, I'm the hardliner that wants it to go on forever, but nothing the gold can stay. So you, you never, you never know how long they're going to go. I really have a feeling that it could go at least 40 or 50 seasons as long as Jeff's around. But it's something to definitely consider, and I. I don't even know what the process is. You probably have to work up as a lowly uh, gopher and, you know, get people coffee and you don't just stroll in and become a handler for sure. But who knows? I'll reach out to people. I think is we'll a shame is Big Brother gets three nights a week. And I think it would be awesome if Survivor could at least, Survivor and The Amazing Race could at least get like two hours. Yeah, yeah. And I think they could they could fill it because there's so much going on and it's it's so tight and then you get stuff like if, oh, when they do the hour and a half premieres and stuff you get the full intro and I think you know some of these casual fans if you're not showing Monica and Sierra and Keith they needed that intro just to remind them who these people even are like who's that old skinny guy what's his I don't even remember his name you know <laughs> and then you remember his name because you see him every episode at the beginning, like, oh, yeah, his name's Keith. Okay. So they could have I time mean, to do a voice, lot more stuff. The Voice is doing a two-hour episode on Mondays. and an hour, Well, it was two hours on Tuesdays, but now it's an hour on Tuesdays. There's lots of shows that have two-hour episodes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then maybe an additional hour episode. So... I could certainly, I mean, with the ratings that Survivor gets and the ratings that The Amazing Race gets, I could see them doing an additional hour and offering more to the fans so it being an even more likable show Mm -hmm. and ratings going up even higher... And it working out great to have, you know, the additional time. So to have more than the hour-long show. Yeah. Well, the good thing at least CBS is doing is there's a lot of secret scenes and, you know, the Ponderosa stuff's at least online. So it's there's some available, but they, there's definitely more they could they could definitely have. Right, and I'm watching my DVRs on, and they're rebroadcasting that the Tribal Council from the episode. I'm on my third watch, and it was just—I think it's one of the best. It was a really strong Tribal Council. You got two people which you don't usually see, or we don't get to see. It probably happens in a lot of episodes, but Wu and Varn are both fighting and giving their arguments for why they need to stay. And there's that bug that flies around, and oh, that was massive. I thought it was a bat at first. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was. I don't know. It looked like a big bugger than I should. And just flopping around and Abby's leaning on Savage. And the one thing we've, we've talked about Varner going, but he, when he bent down to give Abby a hug and a kiss, and the, the quote, I think it's going to be a classic vote out moment, was, you little bitch. Yeah. And then she, and then then he leaves, and she gives she makes the heart symbol with her hand, like you know that's a huge connection. And because they had that tight bond, that's why PG got the boot before Varner. So 
great episode. Some great, just great dialogue. You know, great stuff from Probst. So, it's a good, really good episode. It really was. I, you know, and seeing Cass um, give yeah. to Kelly. I mean, you know, they thought that she was making a, a fake idol, and here she's, you know, giving a birthday gift, making a birthday gift for Kelly. Um, and she's proving that she's actually changing, you know, her ways and being a much more softer, gentler Cass. And Cass said that she read the book, How to, um, what was it, How to... Win Friends and, and Influence People by Carnegie, right, exactly. I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. And she's actually taking that to heart and really being a different survivor player. And it's interesting to see. You know, I think we may see some chaos. Chaos come out at some time later in the show. But mm-hmm. right now, I think she's doing a great job playing a totally different game. Yep. Turn it around entirely. And we, what do you think of the promo the next time on Survivor? We got a lot of people getting a little more time, it appeared. I saw... You know, they showed a lot of Kimmy, and Kimmy we really haven't seen except for, I think, episode two when she was, you know, arguing a little bit about or just wondering when Steven went off to look for the idol. Like, looks like Kimmy could come to the forefront. And some other people, they were showing a lot. So it should be an interesting uh, turn here. I, I really, if Encore is, uh, they got to they gotta win, they got to do something soon, or they're just going to keep going to tribal, and they're, I don't know. Yeah, they're down to four people now, and I don't know. The that split the three tribes was really bad for for them. You know, they started yeah. out with nothing, and they've never been able to pull out of it. It was like the yeah. kiss of death for them. Yeah, they're in a they're in a bad spot. If uh, let's go through real quick before we have to end. If if the people if all three tribes lost next week, who do you think they who do you think they'd go for? What are your predictions? Now so repeat each, that. Each, all three tribes. Well, no, okay, not in the, the tribal council, okay. but but if it, but if anyone if any of the tribes came in last. Or you know, if two tribes go or whatever, who do you think would get the vote out of each each tribe? Okay, um, let me see here. I've got them all up here on Bayon. Uh, I would say possibly Kenny on Bayon. Okay. Um. Ko, boy. Um, I just don't know on Cherry or Keith. Maybe I don't know. Um, Okay. Angor. I'm gonna say. I don't. Abby seems to almost be running the show now. Mm-hmm. But I really think it would need to be her because 
to have any strength, it would need to be Roots, Tasha, and Savage. But if it was me personally, I would say vote out Wu because he's going to be the stronger in individual challenges that they're going to have to go up against later once the, mm. the mode happens. Oh, well, I'll answer my own question I gave you. Okay. I'll say um, I want Wu gone, but I think their smart vote would be Abby for Angkor. Um, for Takeo, I'm really feeling that Wigglesworth could be the outlier for them. I think Spencer and her are in the minority, but I think they're going to value Spencer more. Plus, Kelly's just so old school, and she's not really done much well, aren't many of the events. Like, like, I haven't seen her since the 10th anniversary, so she doesn't. She did a, she did a bunch for a while, and has been gone forever. Had a kid, had some face alterations. It appears. Uh, are you so on Takeo? Yeah, for Takeo, I'm saying. Uh, Am I mixing it up? Is she not on Takeo? Isn't she on that, Oh, sorry. I've got my, I don't have my list in front of me. I was just thinking I had it. So I guess Kelly for Bayon and uh, for Takeo. Yeah. I like, I, they're all pretty strong. I would want Sierra to go just because I don't like, I like her the least. But, you know, Keith doesn't seem really, we haven't seen much for him, so I guess Keith. Yeah, I mangled my own question when I tried to answer it. I should have I should have my grid from last week with the swap, but I I didn't pull it out. So sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I agree. Kelly hasn't hasn't done a whole lot, yet. but you know it's so hard because they leave so much unanswered, you know, we don't know Mm -hmm. really what's going on, you know, in these tribes, and so much is left on the cutting room floor that, you know, as Tyler was saying, we just don't know, you know, like whether they've been going out and searching for an idol, you know, they could have been out searching, you know, for hours and hours each day, and since they haven't found it, they're not showing us, so... Yeah, we just don't know a lot of things that are going on yet, and uh, so you know it's hard to say whether she's you know working around camp or you know what the dynamics are until you know they're able to show us more and until things get narrowed down a bit and it's more of an individual after the merge and after they get rid of a few more people, I think we'll start to see a little bit more about each individual you know, person and, and learn a little bit more about what's really going on behind the scenes. But right now there's so many people left there that it's hard for them to focus, you know, and tell us a whole lot about each tribe and each person and all the challenges mm-hmm. and everything that's going on. So it's going to be interesting. Um, we'll see how our, our predictions fall next week. Paul, did you want sure. to chime in? No, I I I really don't have a thought on on that. Uh, partially because of what you said, we haven't gotten to see a lot of the other other tribes. But uh, I was about to say that I'm going to have to get off here real quick because I need to give my mom a call. 
uh, before she goes to bed. Uh, don't want to go into why, but... Okay, for sure. So do we need to promo the Sunday show, or... Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. Okay. Just, okay. just want to remind everybody to join us on Sunday night for our Amazing Race Second Pit Stop show with host Luis Dorado. Last week we had a great caller, um... Kristen called in from the cheerleader team and may be calling in again this week, so make sure you're here for that. That show is 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Back here again on Monday for the Manic Monday show with Michelle Costa from Big Brother Season 10. And this week we're going to have another great guest. Um, and it just slipped my mind. Paul, do you recall? James, James, James Hooling or whatever? Gosh. Almost lost my mind there for a minute. James Hewling is going to be with us this week. And I know we're going to have a big crowd for James. He was America's favorite player. And so make sure you're here for Manic Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. And then back here again next Thursday for Mike on the Mic to recap Survivor Second Chance. Oh, yeah. Again, not sure. It might be Nina on there. We'll see. Yeah, it might be Nina. It's a couple people in the works. There's no no full confirmation, but as soon as I know, we'll we'll let you know, and it'll be somebody. Hope somebody can survive. I'll post it on Facebook and Twitter as soon as we know. Just be watching our Facebook page and Twitter, and as soon as we get confirmation, I'll get the word out there. I want to thank everybody that joined us in our chat room tonight and who listened to us live and who will listen to us on podcasts later. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care. God bless. I'm going to close the show with Ryan as we always do. Here we go. I want to finish off the show with a little music and say to all of my listeners, thank you guys and thank you all for coming in. God bless you, and thank you for listening to the show. And it was a great one. It was a great one. I want to say thank you to Tyler Fredrickson for joining us from Season 30, Survivor Worlds Apart. You had a great, great show with us tonight. And if you don't know, all you have to do is click the link that you clicked on to get here to listen to the show tonight if you want to re-listen or if you want to post the show to somebody else, all they have to do is click the link and you can listen to the podcast later. So just want to throw that in. We're going to close the show now. Everybody say good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. That's a wrap.